Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, actually recording our Tuesday podcast on a Tuesday night. And tonight we're going to have a top 10 list. And this time we're going to do Carolina big men under Roy Williams. We have to keep it somewhat new for the youngsters in the crowd. Uh, Ross and relevant for um, people who are on the message boards, the people in Twitter land, the people that are listening to the podcast. Any of you old guys, if you want to debate it with me, we can do that off air or, or maybe on air one day. But let's let's start off, guys, and get this thing rolling. Uh, I think unanimous agreement that Tyler Hansbrough is going to be our number one. Ross, correct. Uh, he was in school when I was in school and a dominant performer his four years. I think he was all ACC first team all four years and a, an All-American national player of the year and just a dominant, dominant force consistently. Um, and of course, capping that run with a national championship. And I think he is the, the best big man under Roy Williams. I think you can make the claim that he's the best big man that UNC has ever had um, just in terms of the scope of his career. I know there's plenty of people to challenge that and, and argue against it. Um, but just in terms of putting four years together like he did, uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure nobody else in, in Carolina history did that. Yeah, I, I would wager, and we're going to get out in front of Adrian Atkinson's top 100 list. I'd be shocked if Hansborough's not number one on his list. We'll find that out down the road. Yeah. Adrian's looking at a lot of like efficiency numbers too. So who knows how those different statistics and, and analytics will break down. But yeah, you would think he has to be top 10. Greg, you have a, you have a good Hansborough story from covering him. <laughs> I remember his, uh, his 40 point game against Georgia tech when he was a freshman, that jump shot against Virginia tech and that dance that followed. Uh, those are some things that stand out. Of course, jumping off the SAE porch <laughs> on last day of classes. I think his junior after his junior year, Bobby Frazier and Marcus Skinner. Those are the memories I have with Tyler Hansborough. Uh, probably two that stand out. Well, no, I take that back. There's three that stand out. Um, one at Florida State when I guess it was the Reed character pulled Ty Lawson down and Lawson was knocked out of the game. Uh, after the game, Hansborough just fired up the game. I believe that game went to overtime, if I remember correctly. And I had asked him the question. And apparently I phrased it wrong or he just didn't like the question. But I essentially asked him, you know, without Lawson, um, is that somewhat of a learning opportunity for this team to be able to say, hey, even though we know he's our guy, that if something happens to one of these studs in this lineup, that we can still be very good and get the job done. Uh, And as I said, he just didn't like the question or I, I phrased it wrong. 
and he kind of just like blew up at me. Like, what are you talking about? We got to have Tyler Lawson in the game. Why would we not want him in there? Why would we even consider not having him in there? And he was just on a rampage. And, um, and I was like, oh, okay, I got it. I got it. No problem. And then, of course, the the Bobby Frazier, Marcus Ginyard, uh, Tyler Hansborough jokes were just hysterical. Um, it, I think it'd be nice to have Bobby on and, and ask about the Aaron Andrews stuff at the Siena. Apparently, that was quite hilarious, and they were able to have some fun at Tyler's expense. I can't get into the exact details because I don't know the accuracy of them, uh, but that was always a funny story. And then the other one, I think, really kind of spoke to Hansborough just as a competitor. And it was uh, the 2008 Final Four weekend. North Carolina, of course, uh, kind of gets blown out early against Kansas and makes a run back. Uh, not able to get it done. If Danny Green's three maybe drops, maybe we're talking about a different game. Uh, but it didn't happen. And the next night in San Antonio, uh, it was the National Player of the Year Award honors. And we all knew Hansburg was going to get it because he had just a phenomenal junior season. So Jim Hawkins and I decided to hang around San Antonio to cover that event. And Hansborough, of course, wins it. And he's up there accepting this award. And his he looks like he's been in a fight. His eyes are so red and they're swollen. And he, you can barely see his eyeballs. I mean, apparently the guy had been crying all day. And this is 24 hours after you know, the, the Final Four loss. And he's accepting this reward as the best player in the country. And yet he's torn to shreds that, that his team did not win the night before. Uh, and kind of watching that and talking to his family and talking to his dad a good bit after that, after that event and talking to Hansbro, he didn't really want to talk about the award whatsoever. Uh, I mean, it was pretty clear at that point in time that, you know, North Carolina was going to win the national championship with, with him coming back. Uh, and so that that's probably the one that always sticks with me with Hansborough is just, just how distraught he was and on, on an occasion that was such a special moment for him and, and winning National Player of the Year. Yeah, what I remember with him is just how relentless he was, you know, on the court I and mean, how he was so good at getting offensive rebounds and putbacks and always getting those and ones and then just getting fouls and putting the other team put so much stress on the other team's defense. Uh, obviously opening things up for Danny Green and, and Marcus Kinnard and, and Ty Lawson and Wayne Ellington and those guys. And just it was it was like a man amongst boys at times because he was just so physically dominant and his motor, I think that's a, that's a buzzword to use with him, was just so strong and it never stopped. And that went on for four years every game. And he was durable too. I mean, I think he only missed a couple games. Maybe his senior year was when he, he missed a couple there. And of course, you got to remember him always looking for his contacts. That was a uh, an <laughs> important um, uh, Tyler Hansford memory of mine. Yeah, I, we've of course had Dewey on here a lot, and he talks about it. What I I remember the guy. Now he dished out plenty of punishment to guys defending him, but he took a beating. Everybody talks about Gerald Henderson, of course, but he took a beating on the regular. And the coolest thing to me watching him and just watching any of these guys, and that's why. You know, some of these big men in pro ball that irritate me, he made his foul shots. I mean, he probably averaged seven or eight foul shots made a game, Greg. I don't have those stats, but you can raise your stats a lot if you can just make your foul shots, and he always seemed to do it for Carolina. 
let's move on for him. We could talk about him for a whole show, but let's let's go consensus number two. And is there a consensus number two? Greg and I had talked offline a little bit, Ross, maybe that Sean May is that guy. Uh, your thoughts on May at number two? Yeah, I think there's a little debate there, but I think that's kind of the the probably the, the best answer there, given his uh, national championship there in 2005, and you know, a really really put the team on his shoulders uh, and, and back that year. Um, such a smooth guy with with great hands, uh, carved out space with his body, a rebounder and score. Um, I don't think there is is another player under Roy other than Hansborough that was just, you know, such a kind of dominant and consistent big man uh, for the heels. I think there is an argument we can get to this maybe for Zeller, but I don't think Zeller did it as well for as long of a time um, during, during the Roy era. Greg, what do you think? Yeah, I think with the way that, that May played in the NCAA tournament and back in 05, for me, yep. that, that kind of elevates uh, his status. Because his numbers were good throughout. I mean, he was a, uh, you know, I think ESPN had him as a first team All America, but he was second team in, in most, most every other uh, polling site that, that does All America teams. But the way that that he plays, especially in the Final Four, I mean, he was just a dominant force. And for me, if you if you play well in, in those types of situations, then you deserve the accolades that come your way, and and uh, that's why I've got him as, as number two. You cover him, Greg. I did not. It's before my time, Ross. <laughs> I always forget I actually, your age. Um, I actually but, covered a few of those games back early in their career. Um, early Doherty, or, or excuse me, late Doherty. Well, all of Doherty's career. So those were some interesting locker rooms uh, during that time frame. So you, co- uh, you covered McCants? Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've, yeah. Um, interesting, to say the least. Just uh that was, you know, it was pretty pumped. That wasn't it. Two thousand one, they were undefeated. They go to Clemson, and then it just yep. goes sideways and eventually ends up like it ends up. That to see the locker room before that Clemson game and after that Clemson game, just the mood was unbelievably different. Won't ever forget it, and I doubt it's there've been too many teams like that that have just gone from top of the world to basically circling the drain if a Carolina team could ever do that. And, of course, it ended up pretty much doing that in the unnamed season. Let's move on from that. Let's talk about big men. Uh, this yeah. is where – go ahead, Ross. Yeah, so I was just going to hop in. Like, let me just – let me just name the the ones that we have and then kind of go from there just so we have all the names out on the table. Does that sound good? Yeah, because I, I really don't know a consensus number three at all. Three through ten might be pretty even. Go ahead and start knocking them out. Let's yeah, talk so, about it. I think right, I have so a got Tyler, three, but go ahead, Ross. Yes, yeah, so we have Tyler Zeller. Just to get all the names out, Tyler Zeller, John Henson, Jawad Williams, and Marvin Williams. Those guys are, are kind of – they played a little threesome, and they also played power forward, so those are kind of up to debate, but I would consider them big man. Um, Kenny Meeks, Isaiah Hicks, Deion Thompson, James Michael McAdoo. You have to throw Luke May in there now. Um and then I said Bryce Johnson and Brandon Wright. And, of course, you got to – I mean, you can consider Alex Stevenson and the Ware twins as players under Roy, but, of course, they're not going to be top ten. Did I miss any players in that list that, uh, that are escaping our mind right now? Did you say Henson? 
John Indeed. Henson, John Henson, Tyler Zeller. Yeah. Uh, of course, yeah. the freshmen from last year, Garrison Brooks and uh, Sterling Manley, but obviously those won't be considered because of what they've haven't done so far. But um, yeah, I mean, Zeller, good. Desmond Hubert, but uh, you know, yeah, Joel James there, Desmond may as well throw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh did he say jackson simmons yeah. let's yes. uh before we go any further let's figure out how we're weighting things do championships matter in this list i think they do that's up to you guys if they do and also do uh one and done guys like brandon wright i mean to be honest with you i can't even remember brandon wright at carolina other than i know he played i mean i don't remember anything specific uh, maybe that's something we could talk about. But anyway, that's just my thought process. His, when it his um, field goal percentage record in the ACC stood for a long time. I don't know if that still stands or not, but it was, it was at one point, you know, when he accomplished it, it was best ever by an ACC freshman. I think he shot like 65% from the floor. So, yeah, I mean, I, um, I think you uh, – He was good. I think you, you consider, you know, how good they were that one year, but also note the fact that um, – but they only played one year, and that their contribu- contributions to UNC basketball were limited. I think that's how uh, Adrian's been doing well in his countdown. But uh, I mean, Marvin Williams and Brand Wright had pretty spectacular one years at UNC. So I think you you consider winning, uh, and that includes winning national championships and, and playing well when it mattered. Um, you know, and obviously statistics, points, rebounds, just general overall feeling. Um, but it, it is interesting to how to weigh the one and dones. I wish we were sitting at a table together because I'd say pass me the drink to whoever's <laughs> making one. But, Greg, you mentioned you might have a three. Uh, who would you put at number three? I think I would put Bryce Johnson at number three. Mm. And I, I know that people hear that initially and say, what? But the Bryce Johnson of 2016 uh, was an incredible player. And I think it's easy to look at his first couple years and kind of base his career around that because that was a big talking point for the first couple years. I mean, really into even into his junior year, like where's the consistency? I mean, where's the toughness? All these kind of things. But I think that's probably the best coaching job for a big that Roy Williams has done. And you know, in talking about the one and dones. Yes, Brandon Wright had a great year. Yes, Marvin Williams was fantastic and played a key role in that 05 title team. Uh, but if we just had Bryce's 2016 year, then I think a lot of people would maybe have a different uh, view of him, the entirety of his career. But in terms of production and quality of one year, I think what he did in 2016 ranks up there just kind of below – uh, what Hansborough did throughout his career and, and, and maybe what May did uh, in 05, even though you could probably say that maybe Bryce's stats were a little bit better than May's uh, when you compare 16 and, and 05. When yeah, you, I think that's a great argument. Yeah, l- let me say this, a, and then, Ross, I'm going to pass it to you, and I'll, I'll, since I'm the host, I'll let you guys actually do the talking. Okay. I, I think when you when people look at Bryce Johnson and – you know, they think about Marcus Page and they think about a guy that all Carolina fans really wish Marcus Page got a championship. And I get that sentiment and certainly agree with it. But Bryce Johnson, the way he went from his freshman, sophomore, and even junior year to that transformation to his senior year, Greg, like you talked about. I mean, we killed him consistently on this podcast. 
those yep. first three years. And we'd always say, you know, you know what you're getting, you, you know, at this point in his career, you know what you're getting. It's not going to get any better. It's going to be this way. It's going to be this way. And then what he did against, uh, you know, all our doubts, his senior year, that performance at Florida state 39 and 20 or whatever it was, or something like that. I mean, that's one yes. of the, yeah, that's one of the best performances by Carolina big at all. And Florida state had that huge team and he did it. It's not like he was doing it against, you know, UNC Asheville or somebody like that. But yeah, I just think I like Bryce at three. There's going to be some people that say maybe Zeller, um, but Ross, go ahead, take it away. I, yeah. I just I mean, Johnson deserves uh, the accolades that he did not get. I don't think. I don't think he got enough accolade, you know, enough um, credit for what he did at North Carolina, especially that senior year. Yeah, I think y'all nailed it with the his one season, uh, his senior season was so special. It ranks up there as one of the best seasons ever for for a Carolina player, um, and I think that stands out. Um, so I'm fine with him at three, but I think there's a big argument for, for Zeller and, and for, I mean, let me look at the list here. I mean, I think Zeller and Henson were both really good, but they both also had down years. So Zeller didn't really play much as a freshman because of injury. And Henson had that small forward experiment on that 2009, 10 team, uh, that was, was a, the non NCAA team. But I think moving on to, to four, I think Zeller is a good answer for four um just you know acc player of the year his senior year could do it all in terms of of running the court a a really good defender smart and just so tall and and had a a variety of inside moves that that made him so so talented um greg how do you feel about zeller at four and what did you like about him and, and what was it like covering him yeah i agree with you um i think brandon wright it is in the conversation there, but I think the Ooh. fact that that Zeller uh, Zeller you know, was there for a number of years and did have that that great 2012 season, uh, I would agree with that. And um, this is maybe something to say later in the podcast. So I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there. When we talk about Marvin Williams, and we talk about Brendan Wright, and we talk about Tyler Zeller, we're talking about players that played along some incredible collection of, of talent. You know, when you talk about Brandon Wright, you're talking about Tyler Hansborough, you're talking about uh, Lawson and that crowd, Wayne Hellington. Um, when you talk about Zeller, you're talking about Harrison Barnes, you're talking about Kendall Marshall, uh, John Henson. I talk, you know, Marvin's May and McCants and Felton, those guys. Think about what Luke May did last year. Did Luke May have that quality of talent around him. Um, I mean, we know Joel and, and Theo, so so maybe, maybe yes. Maybe I'm not giving that team enough credit. Uh, but just kind of in hindsight, what, what Luke did last year, I think skyrockets him up this list is, you know, and he's kind of surprises all along the way. But um, just when we start getting into this kind of mid-tier of the, the top 10, I mean, what he did last year, I think, has to be in consideration at least. Yeah, it's almost like we were still doubting him and, and waiting him, yeah, waiting I, for him to waiting for him to do it again next year. You know. Yep, agreed. I, um, I agree with you on the talent level. I don't think, and this is not a knock to anybody on the team last year. I don't think the pure talent 
pure basketball talent now heart and all that other stuff and chemistry is different but from pure talent i don't think last year's team compared to 05 and 09 were very close uh, i mean am i wrong about that so i agree what you're saying with luke may i but pure basketball talent i think 09 and and 05 are just and 2012 way, yeah just far exceed uh, last year's talent level and for may to do what he did on that talent on, on that team i mean he became a focal point later in the season and it and it showed a little bit i think but i, I would be okay with him you know five or six uh, i think we need to talk jawad williams and guys like that and, yeah and maybe well, even Dion. yeah I'll, I'll list some names here and we can debate um one thing with like you said about the talent team i mean the 2017-18 unc team had no probably has no draft picks i mean it maybe if luke gets drafted later on but the 05 and 09 team i think each had four uh and maybe even more when you look at the underclassmen so that kind of shows you the talent differential um okay so we have zeller at um i guess at three at four bryce johnson at, at three um then it gets kind of dicey i think you have henson john henson you have jawad williams uh, I think you can throw Brandon Wright and Marvin Williams in the conversation, kind of that mid-tier level. Um, Luke May, even like a Deion Thompson, who had a, a solid four years for UNC. Um, and then you, and then maybe in the late areas, Kenny Meeks, Isaiah Hicks. Um, so where do y'all go next for number five? Greg, hmm. I'll throw it to you. I've got to go. I've got to go Brandon Wright at five. See, I just, I, I have no, I can't remember. <laughs> Maybe it was the, what year did he play? <laughs> it was the 06 07 team. It was the team that got beat by Georgetown in the lead eight. Yeah, was, that uh, should have never lost. Yeah. Same class as yep. Lawson and Ellington. That was a sick group yep. class. Because, uh, yeah, because Wright was the number one rated power forward, Lawson was the number one rated yep. point guard, and Ellington was the number one rated shooting guard. And then Graves yeah. redshirted. And, um, and Dion was in that class too, right? Dion and Stevenson. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was when recruiting was rolling there. I, I just, Wicked. you know, a one and done, you know, let's compare Wright and Marvin Williams, you know. Both one and dones. One Wright has a started. Yeah. Good. Well, both one and dones, one has a championship, one doesn't. So I'd have to put Marvin Williams above Brandon Wright, but that's just me. Statistically, Wright was the better player. He has, he started, obviously got more chances, uh, but Marvin Williams, you know, maybe made more of an impact in terms of just that championship run. And I mean, regardless of of, us, of how much you remember of of either player, everybody that's a Carolina fan remembers the Marvin put back against Duke. So, yeah, uh, more yeah, the title plays a role for sure. But I think that's when you have a play like that, that elevates your status. So. Um, just because of the fact that Wright did start, as I mentioned, he's going to set the, the ACC record for field goal percentage. He led the conference that year in field goal percentage. Uh, he was a good defender. That's why I've got him at five. But we could, we could, you could probably talk me into putting Marvin, Marvin there as well. I'd actually put Henson at five. I think Henson had a better, you know, a, a longer, more impactful UNC career those three years and just how good he was alongside Zeller. Um, I'd go Henson. Need debate there, Greg? 
Yeah, Henson was a great defender his final year. No question about that. One of the best defenders in the paint that that Royce had. Um, was never really the greatest offensive weapon, and you know he came in playing trying to play the three his freshman year, which was a disaster. Uh, kind of got pushed around the next year, and then had a really good year that third year. And that and maybe maybe I'm I'm just kind of biased, but I see the. I see the talent that he had to work with. I mean, he, you had Zeller, you had Kendall, you had Barnes. I mean, so he was really kind of the fourth option. Um, It was loaded. He was kind of the the, the fourth option on that team. And that's why I'm hesitant to put him up quite that high. So having Zeller and Henson as your two bigs is just an incredible, (laughs) because they're both seven foot. Yeah. And they were both so athletic and could both run the floor. I mean, that was a, uh, a lot of off talent one spot. Okay, so there's a little debate there with with Wright, maybe Henson, and then I guess Marvin Williams is kind of in that discussion as well. But you're going to put Marvin ahead of ahead of Jawad, ahead of a four year player like Kenny Meeks, Isaiah Hicks, Deion Thompson, McAdoo, even. Uh yeah. Yes, I, I would. Am. I mean, I think you've got to put. I think Jawad, Kenny Meeks, even Isaiah Hicks. I think. And Dion, I think all those guys, you could put them in a hat and, and pull them out. I think Jawad's going to get a lot of um, talk and a lot of, like, our listeners listening to this will have Jawad higher because of what he did while they were at Carolina. They went from that season. Uh, I remember Jawad at the McDonald's All-American game in Durham at Cameron Indoor said, you know, we're never going to lose here. When I'm at while I'm at Carolina, similar to what um, Stackhouse and Sheed said about them and Touche would never lose to Duke well, as long as they were there, and then eight and twenty happened, and then it ended in a national championship. So I think Jawad gets elevated for that, but I, I I still go Marvin higher than all of those guys. And to be honest with you, Kennedy Meeks needs more because he's in the similar boat, Greg that. Bryce Johnson was. I mean, we wore him out for three years until he decided to to play his senior year and sort of blossomed into the big man that Carolina had to have that year. Well, and it wasn't even just his senior year. I mean, we're we're talking with him midway through the ACC season, and I believe that was at the point where he maybe had gone back and forth with somebody on Twitter, and uh, you know, he was not having a good stretch of games. And you're kind of like, if he doesn't kind of come around, then this team's going to struggle to to get back to the Final Four. And then you get late into the year, and he gets more consistent. And then he was a hoss in the NCAA tournament. I mean, he was phenomenal. Uh, and that's why you know, a lot of fans really wanted him to get that um, you know, most outstanding player in the Final Four, and which didn't go his way. And so I do think that effort – for me, kind of elevates him over some of the others um, just because of the way he, he closed out and played, again, played big and in, in, in big games where North Carolina really needed him. He kind of watched Bryce do it the year before, and then you know, late in his senior year, he kind of, kind of took over. So certainly I've got him above Isaiah Hicks. Um, mm. And I'll probably have him over Jawad Williams as well just because, you know, even though I know Jawad played played the four some, I really kind of have always seen him as as more of a three four combo. Um, 
And so I, I think Kennedy would probably be above Jawad for me as well. So I'm going to do this with you, Greg. I'm going to, I'm going to name two names and just pick who you think is, is top. To <laughs> okay. Narrow this down. So you have, so you go Jawad Kennedy. You go Kennedy. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So Kennedy Marvin Williams. Hmm. I gotta go. Ah, see, that's tough. That's tough. Um, I think you, the four-year player has to win out there. I mean, Marvin's clearly the better athlete and player but any four-year contributions yeah i mean I, I don't disagree with that what about henson kennedy kennedy okay so you have kennedy what about kennedy luke may still kennedy See? luke may's got another year yeah you, you got still, you got me because it sounds kennedy. like five or six I've got Meeks up there. And again, it's like the Bryce, Bryce Johnson talk. You know, Kennedy, we dogged him so much early in his career. And for good reason. Um, but, you know, even into his, like I said, even into his senior year, we're saying, okay, this is just not, this is who he is. This is not going to get better. And he pushed all that aside. He took it serious. He focused. He blocked out all the noise, all the noise that we were throwing at him and everybody else. Uh, and without him playing the way he did in the final four, UNC does yeah. not win that championship. I mean, he made oh, huge no. plays in both those games, uh, oh, Oregon yeah. and, um, and Gonzaga that sealed the win. Yep. All right, cool. So uh, moving ahead here, I mean, rank these, and I guess both y'all can do this. You know, Jawad Williams, Marvin Williams, um, John Henson, Luke May. Out of those, kind of what's the order of those to kind of, add some clarity to this debate you got jawad marvin luke um and then john henson i just i have luke may as a uh, incomplete at this point um because if he goes out and averages 20 and 10 again or, or close to that this year then it changes the whole conversation but I, you know, if, if Kendall Marshall doesn't break a wrist, we're talking differently about John Henson, I think too, uh, because maybe they win that national championship, but I think is, that's why I don't, the criteria is difficult and I'm sure folks listen to, I mean, Marvin Williams is the best player out of that bunch, but best Carolina guy. What did they do for Carolina? I got to go Jawad over Henson. Um, for accomplishments, you know, and better players, different best player for Carolina. And then who else did you say? You said Marvin, we've um, already got him. Yeah. D- you can throw Dion in there and, uh, and yeah, let's see. Yeah. So Jawad, mm-hmm. Marvin, Henson, um, Dion, even kind of those four year players. What were Dion's numbers, Greg, compared to Kennedy Meeks's numbers? Uh, Dion's numbers were, I think, numbers wise, Dion's was probably pretty good or probably better than Meeks um, throughout his career. But I mean, he's also, again, it goes back to he was playing alongside Hansborough, Lawson, Ellington. So he was, option. he was the fourth or fifth option. But yet he had a, he was incredibly skilled offensively. And so when he got going, there was no way you could stop him. So, 
Uh, he's definitely in the mix, but with Dion, since we're talking about how you know Bryce and Kennedy really closed strong, Dion really didn't because you come off of that 08 and 09 year years. You know they're both in the Final Four and of course win the title in 09, and then you know 2010 is kind of a kind of a mess. Yeah, um, and so I think that's a little bit of a knock on him. I got the numbers here. Uh, comparing Dion and, and Kennedy, both four-year players, uh, Dion averaged nine point three over his career, and four point nine rebounds. His, his best season was that senior season, thirteen point seven points per game, six point seven rebounds. The championship year, his junior year, he averaged ten point six. So nine point three was his career average. Kennedy Meeks averaged ten point four over his Carolina career, and interesting seven seven point three rebounds. I mean. Kenny averaged 9.5 rebounds as a senior. So, yeah. I mean, statistically, Kenny was much better. He started, huh. you know, Kenny started some games as a freshman too and obviously was a key role in that championship um, team and two Final Fours, whereas uh, Dion played, you know, a secondary role on that um, championship team, but it, dominate, it was a really good dominating force in that championship game in 09. Pretty similar type players, I think. Dion was more able to step out, but you know they both started out there early in their career, a little heavy. Uh, Dion, you know, he came back that one year, and it was like, who is the guy? He couldn't recognize him. He has changed his body. Meeks never really did that, but it was pretty. I thought pretty similar in their numbers, like you just read off. At least their career numbers. Meeks had him yeah. on the rebound, and I, you know, I don't know. I start thinking down the list. We need to get it one to ten, and I'm up to listen to you guys but it, it just everybody just sort of gets jumbled in the mix there um so yes. i go so back to who won championships let's try to, to close this out here um greg you can speak on these you got kind of isaiah hicks james michael mcadoo luke may and maybe Dion thompson in there kind of rounding out the last four or five of, of the top 10 how would you kind of assess those four players um, you got Luke May, who's played you know three seasons. James Michael McAdoo played three seasons before being drafted. Isaiah Hicks, obviously a four-year player, and Deion Thompson, a four-year player. Of those four, how would you kind of rank those and, and their contributions to UNC basketball? I've got May atop the list just because of what he did last year. None of those other guys had the type of year that Luke had, and we've already talked about the you know, maybe a little bit of a, a talent discrepancy for what Luke was dealing with. I mean, he had three freshmen alongside of him in the post and still did what he did. So even though I agree with Tommy that there, there is a little bit of an incomplete grade for Luke because he's got another year coming up, um, I, I think we have to give him a lot of credit for kind of surprising everybody last year. And then beyond that, um, that's tough. You covered back uh, to do. I did, yeah. Um, you know, McAdoo was in that kind of weird situation where they you really didn't have a lot of talent uh, in the post, and that made it kind of tough on him for his style of play. And you know, that, of course, you go back, and that's when um, I guess that's when Roy, I, I think it was Desmond Hubert, came out of the starting lineup. PJ Harrison went in at Duke, and he went small that year, and that was really the first time they've done it. Um, so you know, McAdoo was a good player. Um, I don't think maybe he was as good as he, he could have been if he had you know, maybe some some more quality pieces around him. So I think that hurts him a little bit. Uh, but 
man, Hicks and, and Thompson, I think you could really just pick either of those two guys. Um, I, I guess I would go, go. I'd go Thompson, then Hicks, and then and then McAdoo. Okay, wow. Yeah, I think, man, one thing for me is is Hicks and McAdoo, I feel like we're super athletic guys. Both came in as five stars, you know, top 15, top 10 players, so much potential, and just both really never put it all together and never had a season like we saw out of even like a mix, uh, a Meeks or obviously a Johnson or, you know, a special season like some of the other players we talked about have had. Um, I think McAdoo, I'd put McAdoo ahead of Hicks, even though Hicks had that clutch shot uh, when he was starting his senior year in the 2017 championship game. Um, but uh, I'd put Dion above all of them just um, for his, the, the four-year contributions and, and his, he won a championship. I think that kind of stands out. I think there's a lot left to be desired from what Hicks and, and McAdoo did at Carolina. I think I've, uh, I got uh, Luke May, Hicks, Thompson and McAdoo. I think McAdoo, I don't know. He just never panned out. It's funny because he's got a lot of jewelry in the NBA right now, but that right situation. Yeah, yeah, but he's got rings and yep. and you know it's a situation. He not the best situation for him at Carolina. He, he got in a good situation in the NBA for at least a couple of years, but you know I, I've got I agree with Greg on that. Luke May of that bunch, I got Luke May Hicks. Dion McAdoo, and that probably rounds out the top ten from where we're talking about, doesn't it, Ross? Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I, I, that's a fair assessment there. So we have kind of a mixed up list there, but uh, so, so what is the top ten list that you have, Ross? That we've okay. Rambled. So we got we got Hansborough, we got May. Uh, I think we decided that Johnson was three, um, Zeller four. I think you had right four though, Greg. So we'll go four five Zeller right. Um, I'll go Zeller at four. That's fine. Okay, right five. And then what? Henson six or Meek six? You had Marvin in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. All right, let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Did you not take notes? I'm taking notes, but we debated. And we all had different kind of input. All right, Henson, Meeks, or Marvin, uh, Greg, at six? Uh, I'd say Meeks, then Marvin, then Henson. Wow. Okay, I agree with that. We Meeks. we know you love John Henson Ross, but yeah, he's one of my favorite players. Let's talk so much junk to state. All right, Meeks, <laughs> Marvin, Henson, and then I think you got May, right? Yep. Yeah. May at nine, and then number ten is you got Dion, um, you got Hicks. Uh, is Jawad, Jawad in there? Put Jawad, yeah, put Jawad, Jawad, in. Jawad in there. Would you put, put Jawad above May, don't you? Yeah, you got mm. to, I think. I don't know, but I think he's, I think Jawad's top 10. So if he's yeah. not in front of May, he's directly behind him, probably. Okay, so that's it. So Hicks is left off. Dion's left off. Um, I got May at 10. Desmond McAdoo's left off. Desmond Hubert's left off. Um, and your buddy, the, well, the Wear Twins. I, yeah, <laughs> Alex Stevenson's left off. So that is the list. I'm going to read it one more time. A couple of these are up for debate. Hansborough, May, 
Bryce Johnson, Tyler Zeller, Brandon Wright, Kennedy Meeks, Marvin Williams, John Henson, Jawad Williams, and May. I think the biggest debate people are going to have is, is where Jawad is. I think people just, like you said, kind of love Jawad and his four-year contributions and, and winning that championship and, and going through the, that tough season as a freshman and ending up on the, as a champion. But other than that, I mean, I think you got a lot of uh, pretty solid, uh, solid spots there. But I will say this, isn't it, isn't it neat? And I know we've we talked about it during the time, but of all these great stories that UNC basketball has provided over the years, that in, in the midst of all that, you have this weird year where everything goes to hell. They go eight and twenty, and yet the freshmen on that team end up with a title. This is a phenomenal. Um, phenomenal. So there's there's so many teams, so many programs that have horrible years, and maybe other places is not that unique. Although I guess winning a title is unique, but to have both of those extremes for a program like North Carolina's, that's that's one of the best stories. That could be the best story, uh, in, in you know, the modern era of, of Carolina basketball. I agree with that. Jackie Jawad and Melvin Scott, those guys. Went yeah. through it during their time at Carolina. Ross, I appreciate you sort of taking the lead on this one. It's yeah. been fun to debate it. I mean, our, our listeners and our readers and stuff on the website, you need to debate it, debate it on Twitter and all that. But I think that list is pretty solid. And uh, it's not scientific like Adrian Atkinson's is. Yeah. Um, right. But it's it's best we could do on a Tuesday night. And Greg and Ross, I appreciate y'all getting together. appreciate y'all taking the time to do it. I'm going to wrap this one now. Uh, we'll get back later and maybe discuss who was the best 6'4 shooting guard under uh, Matt Darty. next podcast. Guys, I appreciate y'all joining me. Thanks, Tommy. Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.